Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Arizona. It is September the 5th, 2021, episode number 51, if my numbers are right, um, concerning the Gospel of John and uh, and uh, the points of his Messiahship as we have been studying these many weeks. Um, I'd like to welcome everyone today to the study. Uh, we appreciate your attendance. We appreciate your prayerful support and your comments and all that you do. Um, we really appreciate it. We are uh, having a very excellent time ourselves as we study this gospel in the method we're using, trying to deal with the the uh, word by word, I was going to say verse by verse, but it's even closer than that, and trying to make sure that we don't leave anything out due to the context, the grammar, and all of the things that would help us to interpret what is being said and what was written in these Gospels. This being the Gospel of John, a little different than the other Gospels, but in reality, not so much. Now, uh, I'm not going to apologize for being a little rough on uh, the Trinitarians of this world or the Calvinists, but I want to. I got a little trivia uh, uh, for you. A trini, uh, uh, the uh, just trivia concerning the Trinity, if you will, um, and it's it's not just a light saying. It, it's it's pretty heavy duty. But I've often wondered how, and now I haven't had a chance to do this. Well, I have, but not really in in a direct method. 
Here's the thing. As we're looking at chapter 17, or the previous 16 chapters, but here in chapter 17 especially, because we have Jesus in prayer to his Father. That is in heaven. Now, you know, not everyone that that teaches the Trinity uh, teaches the same thing, you know, uh, because that's the way with doctrines of men. They're, they have uh, specialities and uh, additions, corrections, and uh, things taken out. You know, that's kind of the way it is. But many teach that it's God himself that comes down of course, when they say God, we don't know who they're talking about because um, they have three to choose from, you know, in, in the Trinitarian group. But nonetheless, they teach that. But I wonder, what are we to think? What are the readers to think when we study the Gospel of John and we come to this prayer? This prayer, by the way, is only found in the Gospel of John. Um, who is Jesus praying to? You know, it's a simple statement, and but it really does require us to understand and know the answer. Well, there's, there isn't an answer that'll work in the idea of the Trinitarian, um, except for the, the most, well, the, I guess the solution to the studying of the Trinity or the understanding of the Trinity is that the Trinity is um, the mystery of God that we're not able to understand in this life. Now that's how it's dismissed as far as our questions go. Now that doesn't seem, it doesn't to stop many from promoting this to ad nausea. Uh, nonetheless, that's the excuse given. I, I don't accept that. Uh, because the apostles are making clear uh, that the mystery of God, the only one that means anything, was revealed in the apostolic preaching. And of course we know that mystery was the two, the two groups of people in the world, the, the Gentiles and the, and the covenant people, the Jews, would be one in Christ, and so the kingdom of God would be formed. We know that. That's a mystery. Are there things that we do not understand that God does or can do? Well, of course. But that's not what we're talking about here. So that's, uh, that's something that as we're looking at this prayer, keep asking yourself, is Jesus praying to himself, to two others, or is he just praying as the scripture is so clearly gives and defines, is he praying to his Father in heaven? We've got a lot of choices, but we need to make the right one. Now, we're going to look at the first um, 20, uh, 20 verses. Actually, we're going to be starting in verse 6 today, where we left off. 6 through 20. Is, the text is actually 6 through 19, but 20 is a verse that we need to add to it. And as I said last week, um, within this chapter, we have a wonderful example of the, uh, the grammar and the context all being so, so clearly and easily defined. And I'll just say it again. So uh, now our Bibles don't designate this, and, and, but most of our Greek... Um, um, text, uh, not just the ones that we have in a book that give some of the, uh, the parts of speech, but the ones that have the, uh, uh, certainly the uh, person involved, um, they're, um, they're very clearly marked. And it follows the same principle that it would in any, any context that we find in the scripture. Jesus comes lifts his eyes and begins to pray. So Jesus is the first person uh, here. He will be first person singular 
uh, all the way through this uh, until he comes to one point where he, he includes himself and his father, and then he's first person plural, believe it or not, uh, where it says we. He's talking about himself and his father together being one. But God the Father is second person singular. The apostles, third person plural. And the they of verse 20, which will be our last verse today, are those believing ones in the apostles. The, as uh, Brother David used to say, the usens uh, of the text. We want to include ourselves. We can include ourselves in the usens there. Those are those that have been converted by the apostolic message from the very beginning, from the very first convert. I don't know who that was, but they are the first of the usins, and we are some of the usins that have followed. We pray there's many more that follows us. Now, that's the way it is. Uh, the they is also uh, usually not... Uh, uh, designated as third person, but sometimes it is. Uh, but normally we're talking about the apostles on third person. So let's look at the, the these texts. Uh, go back to the text in verse 6 and read, if you want to follow me. And as we go through here, we this is full of these pronouns. Now we're not going to find these uh, uh, first person, second person on the noun itself typically. Uh, this is always in reference to you keep the perfect concord through here in the uh, language. But Jesus says in his prayer to his Father, uh, the first five verses have been between him and his Father and no other mention of anyone else outside of the situation that he wants to proclaim to his father. But in verse 6 he says, I did manifest thy name to the men whom thou hast given to me out of the world. Thine they were, and to me thou hast given them. And thy word they have kept. Now we got a new entrance into the narrative here. The men. Uh, the ones that were, God had given to Jesus. Do we have any idea who that might be? Yeah, it's not your neighbor next door, even though he's a good Christian. Uh, and that's the point here. We know who these people are. Okay, verse... Uh, so you're saying we have an antecedent then? We do. We do. We have antecedent and we have the pronouns and we have everything in order, perfect concord, and the order is, is wonderful in this chapter. Um, it's, it's, that's why it's such a great study. Apart from the things being said, which are revealing in themselves many, in many case, cases, but certainly the whole concept. Um, yes, I know that it pretty much destroys uh, a lot of man-made doctrine and things said about Jesus and everything, but nonetheless... Uh, the Bible speaks for itself. Verse 7, Now they have known that all things, as many as thou hast given to me, are from thee. Now in that verse we've got, we've got the three, we've got three given. Uh, verse 7, The they is third person plural. The thou is second person singular. Has given to me is first person singular. And from thee is second person singular again. You see, it's all there. Now just remember that, and I'm not going to do that to every verse, because this is uh, fairly uh, well laid out in, in almost every version, really. Um, instead of uh, thee and thine and things like that, you'll have other uh, more English uh, pronouns that will be very easy to understand also. Okay, verse 8, because the sayings or the scriptures that thou hast given to me, I have given to them. In other words, all the things Jesus said, many are recorded in the scripture, and of course many aren't. 
and they themselves received it, and have known truly that from thee I came forth, and they did believe that thou didst send me. I ask in regard to them, not in regard to the world, do I ask, but in regard to those whom thou hast given to me, because thine they are. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine. And I have been glorified in them. And no more am I in the world, and these are in the world. And I come unto thee, Holy Father, keep them in thy name, whom thou hast given to me, that they may be one as we. Now there's that we in verse 11. And it is a first person, first person plural. It's the only first person plural uh, we're going to find in this text. And I, I think that's... Um, very interesting. But it shows the accuracy of of the of the text. The the context is so so there. Uh, we have no excuse, friends, to not be understanding these things. But when you observe the context here you also get what he means by by that oneness. He's just he's just He's just praised these men for their belief in what That's right. God has, what He's taught them, and what He's learned from God Himself That's for a right. purpose. That's right, and we're going to look into that, and we're going to see if there's other scriptures that would lead us to understand that too. Yes. Okay, verse twelve. Let's move on and, and read it, and then we'll go through it. When I was with them in the world, I was keeping them in Thy name. Those whom thou hast given to me I did guard, and none of them was destroyed, except the son of destruction, that the writing may be fulfilled. And now unto thee I come. Jesus is saying this once again. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So does he make a reference that the apostles are listening to these words? They certainly are. Now we know they're right there, right? Even though we, by the text and by everything to follow, I mean, as they're traveling, walking together to the Garden of Gethsemane, they're all together. But here we have confirmation. Verse 14, I have given to them thy word, and the world did hate them because they are not of the world. And I am not of the world. I do not ask that thou mayest take them out of the world, but that thou mayest keep them out of the evil. By the way, the evil is an adjective here. It's not, uh, it's not a noun. Verse 16. Of the world they are not, as I of the world am not. Sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou didst send me into the world, I also did send them to the world. And for them do I sanctify myself, that they also themselves may be sanctified in truth. I th we'll check that, see if there's a definite article in front of it. But um, Okay, verse, that was uh, verse 20. We'll finish with that. And not in regard to these alone do I ask. Now we have another group, don't we? Not these alone not the apostles alone, do I ask, but also in regard to those who shall be believing 
through their word in me. It's very important that the in me is at the end of that, that sentence for us. All right. Um, what a what a powerful prayer and is so full of material that it's uh, it's it's just baffling. I did manifest. Verse uh, six begins, and of course, manifest means um, made it clearly known. Uh, we don't use that word in our vernacular any longer, but. Um, that's what it means. That's what it meant to the world of the King James readers in, in the 1600s and, and a number of centuries in, in that way. Um, and in the Greek, it, it, it has the idea of made clearly known. That's where we get the definition. Not from the English language. We don't get our definition from what the English taught their words meant, but from the original meaning of the word in the Greek. And, and there shouldn't be any difference, friends, but there is sometimes. So, he made it clearly known to everyone who would listen everything that he said, really. The men, the apostles, that's where we find our third person um, uh, listed here and uh, in verse 7. <clears throat> God gave them to Jesus, and he, Jesus says that they have kept the words from heaven. You know, friends, this is something that we can stand on. Because if Jesus says they have kept his word, we can be assured that they had and they did. And that's very important to me. Um because of what it really means. Let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. I want to share that with you. Um, Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Paul writing to the church, um, and he says this, and that's why I'm going to bring, a, this is why it's, it's so important to understand the structure that's being put together here and defined in this prayer. Then, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the saints and of the household of God. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus. Being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together doth increase to an, a holy sanctuary in the Lord. That's why we call it the body of Christ. In whom also you are builded together for a habitation of God in the Spirit. Now, uh, what's said there? Well, this foundation. You see, Christianity has a foundation. If it has no foundation, then it really has no meaning whatsoever. But I like the foundation of the church. I like the foundation of the kingdom of God. Built upon the apostles, the prophets, and Jesus Christ himself. That will do. And the, the thing about it is, friends, this is the idea that's been known. It's in everybody's Bible, but how many folks are really leaning on this? Um, you know, we have people that should know better saying uh, concerning certain scriptures in the Bible, well, the apostles didn't understand. Well, Jesus got it wrong there. Well, uh, this really hasn't, hasn't happened yet, you know, and things of this sort. We have to be careful with those comments because you're talking about our foundation. If our foundation is eroded, 
or in some way um, uh, not durable, then, friends, we have a problem. But we don't have. That's the point. In verse 7, 7 and 8, the apostles have heard, have believed, and they know Jesus has been sent by the Father. That's saying a lot, friends, because the mission of Jesus was to do just that. And, of course, to the apostles, it, it's, it's instrumental. Now, how did they know? This isn't the word that Jesus would use when he says he knows, uh, he knows God. This is a word used uh, that means um, they know from being with Jesus, hearing his words, seeing his deeds, hearing the Father speak from heaven concerning his Son, that's how they know, okay? Remember Peter's, what we call his good confession? And Jesus said that, that men had not told him that, that his father had actually told him that. You see, because this information is coming from heaven, from the Father. Um, that's the knowledge, friends, that we have through the apostolic preaching, the apostolic teaching, doctrine, however when you want to phrase it, the foundation of the church, and if we depart from those that know, we can basically say that we don't know if that's where we're at. And I don't want to be there. I want to know. I want to know the truth. I, I seek the truth. I'm seeking the things of God. Many are. But you know the key is what? The key is always and forever will be found in God's Word. The key hanging on the hook, and we go at it in every other way until finally we, in our last desperate attempt, we reach for the key. And the key will solve our problem. Unlock the Scriptures. In verses 9 through 11, we have all of these pronouns being given uh, and uh, holding to the, the perfect um, concord of everything that's given in this prayer. 9 through 11, Jesus is very bold, I believe, in his concern for the welfare of the apostles. He's praying for them. He's not praying for mankind in general, but for the apostles specifically and for those who will believe in their message. Now, that's an important group. It's a large group, but it's an important group. Jesus is making the, the distinction here. Now, we need to understand that. When people that have no covenant with God, no understanding of salvation through Christ, when their problems overwhelm them, the solution is going to be the same as it would be for anybody that really has one, a solution. They need to be in line with the things of God. Now, if there's another remedy for them, they can seek it if they wish. But the one, the remedy they need is to be part of this group that Jesus is praying for. And I believe that as the, uh, the artist that drew that picture of Jesus knocking on the door that we read about in Revelation, uh, I think it's Revelation 3.20, I don't know why that scripture jumped to my head, but if you look at that picture closely, Jesus is knocking on the door that has no, uh, no lock set, no handle. The handle and then those things are on the inside of the door. That is the situation. It's not going to reach from, from the heavenlies and reach out and grab you or anyone else. You need to open the door. So the, the painter uh, doesn't get much credit for that. That, uh, that's, that was real uh, uh, 
what's the word? This er, uh, I was, I was, I'm going to say the wrong word. Um, discriminating understanding there. He understood the true situation there is with with the idea of being in Christ, with the idea of accepting Christ, coming to Christ, obeying the gospel of Christ. He understood that in that way. That And it goes on to say that they may be one as we. The they there is third person plural, the apostles, and may be one as we is first person plural, as, as we've been talking about here. Jesus says to the Father this. I think it's very important to understand it. In verse 12, let's reread that verse. When I was with them in the world, I was keeping them in thy name, those whom thou hast given to me. I did guard, and none of them was destroyed except the son of destruction, that the writings may be fulfilled. Now, friends, the, we find here in verse 12 the antecedent to all of these uh, first, uh, first person, second person, and third person doesn't change. Um, it, it's all the same. So the I is Jesus. And the them is in, in a plural. It's not third person plural, but it's plural because it's referring right back to the third person plural group uh, that he was just talking about in verse 11, if you will. I was keeping them in thy name. Remember when Jesus told them that they were clean because they were with him. And in John 14 that we studied, all of that that Jesus told them concerning the, the uh, paracletes, the comforter, that... Uh, it would only come to them when Jesus is gone. And they should wait for that and, and they'll be blessed by it. But he said there that uh, he is beside you and will be in you. That was a promise Jesus made to the apostles. And, and those prepositions are very, very telling there. We need to understand it. And... Uh, and share that with others. So it really does clear up a world of, of uh, problems. And of course he also talks about Judas, who is the son of destruction, as mentioned here. Um, that one foretold in the scriptures. Just as his replacement was also uh, given in scripture, and, and uh, Peter stood up amongst the the rest of the eleven and, and uh and quoted the scripture about uh, the place of Judas needing to be filled uh, as was prophesied in the scripture. But in verse 12, we have a little list here. Jesus says, I was keeping them in thy name. That is the apostles. I did guard them because of Jesus' presence with them. And third, only was the son of destruction lost, Judas Iscariot, um, by his own decision, I might add. Uh, you know, he was there for everything that occurred, and uh, it shows another issue of free will. I mean, uh, he was given a great opportunity, but he lost his way, didn't he? And that's all we know all the suppositions about uh, the issue of Judas is just that, supposition. And we're, uh, we're not in the business of judging that. What is said about him is said, and we should understand it. Now, in verse 13, it begins, And now, unto thee I come. Uh, Jesus making clear again that he is he's returning. He's returning to his Father. 
from whence he came, that the body of Christ, who are, of course, the apostles first, and the believers in the gospel message would be second in their entirety, may have joy of Christ, may have the joy that Christ has. Um, I come, uh, Jesus says, which is first person singular, and the uh, the they in verse 13 is, I said the apostles because it's third person plural. And he wants them to have my joy, first person singular, Jesus. The joy of Jesus fulfilled in themselves. That's saying a lot. And the, the, and the apostles tried to... Um, tried to share that concept in their writings and in their message, in their preaching to the people that were were coming to Christ, to all those that would listen, um, this mention. But friends, as the scriptures say, and as we find that hardly anyone realizes, our fellowship on our way to Christ needs to be with the apostles first. Because it's their message, you see. That's the distinction. You know, the apostles have disappeared and become forgotten totally. And because of that, it seems like the narrative in the in the New Testament, folks are not aware of who's speaking and by what authority. That's a real problem we have. Um, and that's why... We, can, we see a lot of Bibles that are printed uh, and you'll have a section of Scripture and then you'll have someone's commentary down below as to what this means. Be careful. Because many times uh, that's a little off. And it's usually off because of some of the English words used and they're trying to compare it to another place, that same English word is used. Unfortunately, it wasn't the same Greek word. Things like that get very difficult and lead many people astray. So the commentary we need is the commentary on the language that the Bible's written in. And if you can deal with commentaries, why not deal with one that's actually going to help you instead of harm you? Now, and speaking of commentaries, why not write a commentary about what Jesus said about about these men when he said he guarded them guarded them in your in what you read my uh, mind says you know protected yeah uh, and what why would you know why would the miracle worker be worried about evil con- you know coming into his disciples. It, that's because it, it it might be as simple as that. He didn't want some nut to come in and take them out. Yeah. Because of their message, and because people have free will, and because there is evil in the world, it was always a possibility. But Neil, don't we read later that they did have the protection? They were taken care of. They had the Comforter who. Basically, in some spots, we see him waking Peter up to get going and doing what he has to do or taking him on to his next thing. It's a beautiful thing. So we have a glimpse of it here. (laughs) We do. It's fascinating, and you're right, ignored, largely ignored. I I was taught none of this when I was growing up in the Christian church. None of it. Nothing. But these are the things that we really need to know to put some meat on the bone, if it will, if you will, I, and so we can um, <clears throat> get the good idea. Well, but it, it, it's a little different. Neil, if I sat down in a class and we was reading the 17th chapter of John, the teacher would ask, what is God trying to tell us here? Yeah. <laughs> what is the Word trying to tell us here? 
And that's bad teaching. That's wrong teaching. Yeah, this is the wrong question, was wouldn't it? That'd be the wrong question. It's so clear, and yet I I, I don't know. I, we just we get rote in some of the things that we do, and uh, when we think about it, like we're trying to in this study, give the scripture a chance to speak for itself. Amen. Uh, yeah. That's what we need to do, because you know that's how how come we can read these things over and over again, and never really pick it up until the time that we do. That's so, well yeah, but we're hoping that we do, and we do it. And we hope we do it a lot. Um, verse fourteen, of course, we're we're talking about the apostles have received God's word. The things that were necessary for them to hear, Jesus spoke to them from the Father, and they believed it was from the Father. So, the apostles have heard the word, and the world of men will hate them because of it, because they're going to stand on it. Protect them, Jesus prays the Father. Protect them, in their work. And they were. They were protected, obviously. You know, when we think about it, the apostles would have been killed immediately if it wouldn't have been for the, the, the protection of God and the message that needed to go forth. What would have typically, what would happen? I mean, James was the first to go, <clears throat> but by the providence of God, these men were spared for the work, to get started. It, it's, it's there's still people. Yeah. yeah, there's still people uh, dying because they're preaching the gospel right now in this world that we live in. I think it's <clears throat> this verse 15 here. Yeah. Where if you, can, if you can wiggle yourself in anywhere, at least on principle alone, it's this idea... Even Jesus doesn't want them taken out of the world. They still right. have a job to do. That's right. And the Father knows this, but Jesus is making it clear he doesn't want them to be taken away and sheltered. And, that's, that's and all this passion, <coughs> all this importance directed right before he's going to be crucified, right. you know, executed, isn't this what he's all about? Yes. And, and so what's the end game on that? The answer is yeah. us. Yeah. We're the end game. Yeah. We're the one he was concerned about. He knows what's about to happen, but he's asking not keep me safe, keep them from evil. Right. He, That's right. Or keep it from them. Keep evil from them. Yeah. Keep them out of the evil. Yeah. And that's the way it's written. I do not ask that thou mayest take them out of the world, but thou mayest keep them out of the evil. And the evil there is an adjective. Okay. So, and, and that means, you know, that's an important thing. Um, because we're... <clears throat> um, the, the whole concept of, uh, you know, the devil and all is... Uh, uh, or Satan, even. Um, it was valid then, Neil. It, it was it was valid, but th this is the evil, the evilness of the things going on. The evil, and who is God, Jesus said the God of this world, the ruler of this world, uh, is is Satan, and he was at that point. Okay. So, <clears throat> that's all included here. He prays that they'll be protected from these things. They are now, as Jesus says, not of this world. Why? Because they are in Christ. You see, this isn't just for them, but they're not of this world because that's what being a Christian is all about, born out of heaven. 
That was their situation. Uh, because they were in Christ. Uh, and and that, that was because they were with Christ. And then Christ in the Paracletes came to them on the day of Pentecost. That's why the apostles could say, we have the mind of Christ. <clears throat> and just previous to those, that statement of Paul, he said that no one knows the mind of, of a man or God unless they are either God or the man. But they have the mind of Christ, the apostles. That's, that's a, a, a difference that we need to remember. By the way, that's another six-month lesson there that you just described. Oh, I know. Isn't it, though? Yeah. And they're not of the world the same way that Jesus is not of this world, meaning they are in Christ. The apostles were sanctified Excuse me. in God's truth. Now, what's the definition of sanctified? Set apart. Set apart for a purpose, in, in this case. Set apart for a purpose, and that's what sanctification really means. Um, so we move, as we move on to 17, more of the same conversation. Sanctify them, set them apart in thy truth. Shouldn't we be set apart in God's truth? Oh, I believe so. And that's what we are if we are in Christ. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Um, so the apostles were set apart in God's own truth. As God's word is the truth, the truth. By the way, this was the answer that Pilate was uh, looking for here from Jesus. Um, but you see, to Pilate, Pilate lived in a world of many gods, if you will. Uh, they had a they had kind of a main a main one. Uh, well, but it changed as the politics changed as to which one was more. You know, so if Jesus would have said. God's word is truth. Well, who's God? So the question's still there for Pilate. And that's why studying the Bible will bring us to the understanding of who God truly is. Unless we use the Bible, we would never know ourselves. We know there's a God. That's what it says in Romans chapter 1. We know there's a creator. We know there's a a power above all, but we don't know who it is. The scripture reveals that to us. Okay, verse 18. As thou didst send me into the world, I also send them. Isn't that just what happened? In uh, Acts chapter 1. You are my witnesses, as Jesus sent them out. And by, by the way, by the same authority, the authority of heaven, uh, they were sent out as Jesus was sent out. They were set apart in Christ to be his witnesses, and they were set apart in the truth of God's message, and that's what they delivered to the people. Now, verse 20, quickly. And not in regard to these alone do I ask, but also in regard to those who shall be, be, be believing through their word in me. And of course, we can understand that those would be the, the, the remaining souls in the body of Christ, the saints, if you will, that believe what? The apostolic message concerning the Messiah. Nobody else's message. And that's why the Apostle Paul taught the evangelist to preach what they'd heard from him. Isn't that the backbone of this whole... whole isn't that the underlying message here? The sanctification in truth? Yeah. The Lord's it truth? Is. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. The truth. That's right. The apostles were preaching what they'd heard from Jesus. Jesus was teaching and speaking 
what he had heard from his father. So, friends, why would the evangelists and the preachers and teachers of today be teaching or preaching anything else? Well, maybe everyone is preaching the right thing. I can't be everywhere at, at the same time, so I couldn't tell you where what's happening, where it's happening. But I know what should happen, and the scripture is very clear. The truth of God's message has to be, its origin has to be from the Father. If it isn't, then friends, I mean, we can use illustrations and things to maybe motivate people or open a door here or that, but the facts need to be from God. And, and, and I, I believe in verse 20 here, we, we need to understand, and, and I think we can take great comfort in the fact that Jesus not only is taking care of the apostles and their message and their ministry, by asking the Father to be involved, of course he would be, but <clears throat> this was this prayer was as much for the apostles as it was for anything. And for us, God already knew what they were what was going to happen. So but on top of them, those that believe their message, Jesus himself has prayed for us that we will also be sanctified in the truth, that we will be protected from evil because of what we have believed, because of our obeying the gospel and the terms of pardon that God has set forth that we find in the preaching of the apostles um, of Christ. We're going to leave it there today, friends. Much to consider. By the way, the uh, uh, your homework is to read John ten sixteen over again, and see if uh, those who shall be believing are they really also mentioned in John ten sixteen. You go ahead and read it, and see what you think. I'll bring it up next week. But until we meet again via the electronic media. We pray that you have a blessed week as you are serving and fulfilling your calling in the Lord. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.